podcast you're about to hear is the weekly edition of the baseball segment of this podcast. Um, I can't really say anything other than that, other than grab a beer from leftover from Memorial Day, uh, sit back and, uh, and enjoy this one. This should be played at high volume. You're listening Not us. to the Grind Hours Podcast. You can either have the money and the hammer or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. On the line, I got, I, I think I have to say resident Met fan. There's going to be people within the, the play-by-play lexicon that are uh, not happy about that, but Robert Presser is on the line. Uh, I've called him in probably the darkest hour for Mets fans in 2021. Um, I say that on May 28th, so it could get a lot worse, but it could also get a lot better. Uh, I've been a Mets apologist for the better part of two years, and I think I want to be playing your therapist for the for the majority of this podcast, Robert. Yeah, that's that's a pretty accurate summation. Great intro, thank you. Great to be back, Joe. Thanks for having me. We definitely got to start with the fact that it's the Mets, and we know that over the last several years, the Mets just do not perform well in May. I think that a good place to start is probably to say. Given all the adversity with this team, beginning with the season having a full series lost with the Nationals, then with all the rainouts, they're like 10 fewer games than all the other teams. Given the injuries and everything else that's happened, I really can't complain that they're in first place yeah. in May. Yeah. <laughs> but like, this is a team that it's such a floundering division compared to what everyone expected and projected this division to be. That it's like you almost want more, but it's just, yeah, it's just been such a roller coaster so far. It's bizarre because at the beginning of the year, when everybody was projecting them, and I projected them to win 96 games, I thought from an outsider, every, all of the outsiders who are non Mets fans are saying this team has talent, they're really good, and they're going to be really good. All the Mets fans were hold your horses. We know who our team is. We didn't even make the playoffs last year with a lot of these guys on this roster. Absolutely. Let's calm down here. Then the season starts. You lose an entire, like you said, lose an entire series to COVID. You have, I think, the most rainouts in the league. And, I mean, part of that is because whoever does your meteorology for the Mets is a two-year-old and doesn't know how to read (laughs) a weather map. (laughs) <laughs> you had a snow out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody from your starting lineup on opening day is hurt. And, oh, guess what? You're two and a half games up in first place on May 28th. I, yeah, I it's, get that Mets can't fans figure it out. are doomsdayists. They, they always are pessimistic. They never think that what's going on is actually happening, but what's actually happening on the field is you're winning games. You just swept a doubleheader yesterday. You're gonna have you're gonna play Atlanta, who Atlanta's a good team, and I think they will continue to be a good team, but they're in third place right now because they lost a tiebreaker with Philly. 
I don't understand from a from, and this is coming from a Yankee fan's perspective that we're 29 and 21 as of recording this podcast and we're two games back <laughs> of, of first place. So I it's not that I don't want to hear it, it's just Instead of saying, look at how lucky we are, it's look at what's wrong with the ship. When there's a million holes in the ship, and it's still afloat. The difficulties with the Mets is they're somehow both lucky and unlucky. Because by some stroke of luck, they're in first place. And I think that's more of a product of how bad every other team has been in the National League East thus far. Um, But all of the misfortune that has stricken this team, like... All these injuries have been so unusual. They're all different for the most part, with the exception of a couple pulled hamstrings. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think there's any endemic shortcoming in the office. I don't think the medical staff is doing anything wrong. You have a bunch of people who are hurt for unrelated reasons. But I will say this has been my outlook couple weeks ago, and, and by the way, to the point just quickly about the rain delay, it's, I think this, this evening as of recording at, on May 28th, this evening's game was also suspended due to rain. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, the Mets won seven in a row, and uh, while they were on that hot stretch, one player was dropping after another. They were dropping like flies, and I just kept thinking to myself, this is not a team that's, that has a seven-game win streak. This is a team that happened to win seven games in a row. Lindor who, for all intents and purposes, the Mets fans want to sell him back for a bucket of balls back to Cleveland, and you're going to have him for 10 more years with the Lindor stuff. He's in uncharted territory for the Mets. It's not like he's replacing an all-time great, but he is the first superstar position player that the Mets have had since David Wright, that is massive shoes to fill. And no one's talking about it because no one's making the comparison. But that's who he's replacing. Uh, I don't know if I would call him David Wright because the factors surrounding these two players' rise to prominence were so different. I mean, Wright was a home – he's not from New York. But if you read some of the articles that David Wright contributed to about his career, he talks about how he sort of became a – uh, a proxy for a New Yorker. He was so well assimilated into the city and so well appreciated by the fan base. Lindor is, by that measure, an outsider because he came from Cleveland. He's he's uh, he didn't grow up a, a fan of any Mets team or Mets affiliate, either the Mets or any Mets affiliate. Um, it's more so, in my opinion, that he's kind of the biggest person that the Mets have traded for, probably since Piazza. Yeah. Really was a blockbuster trade by that measure. Talking like you said, a superstar. But the bottom line is, he's just got to perform. I mean, if he didn't, yes. if he didn't request, if he if he took the three hundred forty million dollars, I I don't think there'd be quite as much bitterness. But the fact that he held out to get an extra forty forty or fifty million dollars don't don't quote me on that um, to become the highest paid shortstop in baseball and also get all that money after he would be finished with his time on the team. I think that's why people feel bitter. In addition to the fact that he's just not performing, I think a lot of the contract would be a mute point if he was up there in average, up there in homers, making sparkling defensive plays every night, and had like four or five bags to this point. But mm-hmm. he's played like a double-A guy, and there are double-A guys who are now on the team 
outperforming him. It's just a matter of time. Look at his track record. He's not this guy from 2020 and, and now 21. He's not that guy. He won't be that guy. He's had to carry teams before. He was the best player on a World Series team. It didn't win mm. the World Series, but he got them to the World Series, and he was their best player. No, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, if you discount what he did, what he's done this year so far and what he did last year, and you ignore the kind of recency bias that tends to prevail within Major League Baseball and sports more generally, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a phenom. His first six, seven years in the big leagues, like you said, he's he's a switch hitter. He's a guy who hits for power, 25, 30 home runs a year. He steals bases, and also he's essentially a platinum gold glove winner, a platinum uh, glove winner. But he just hasn't played like that, and you can't fault the fan base for being pissed after. Oh, I'm not, fa- know, I'm not faulting like, him. It's got to be 50 games at this point. Boom, and he hasn't shown anything. Come home. Until yeah, they turn the, the lights off. On, you can boo him all you want. I, I, I've booed players. I've booed a the entire well, year that when A-Rod came back from his yearly suspension, I went to like seven games. I booed the hell out of him. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I curse out guys who have, <laughs> you know, go 0 for 12 and this guy stinks. Get him off my team. I, that's part of being a New Yorker. You, there's something that comes with the territory. But if any guy in the in the league that can handle it, it's it's Lindor and I. But this is not over twelve. This no, is a guy hitting no, below the Mendoza is, line after 50, 50 games, right? With you, you, two home runs, I think. You're still on the interstate, and it's almost June. I get that, but that I, I think the way that this team's going, they'll get healthy. There's going to be a time within the next two weeks, I would think, where Lindor just flips the switch and he starts performing like that guy that you got from Cleveland, and he's going to carry this team. That's what you need from him, at least, is for him to be the guy who goes, look, we're not healthy. I'm the only one that is healthy, and I can carry a team for a week until Conforto gets gets back until McNeil gets back until Alonzo comes back. He can carry a team for a week. And if he gets on a hot streak where he goes 20 for 52 with six homers and he just looks like that guy, Mets fans are going to forget about this. And they will forget about this, but the part of this that I just disagree with so much is if you just listen to what the team is reporting surrounding the injuries, there's no timetable on so many of these guys. There's not much discussion about McNeil. There's not much discussion about Conforto. There's not much discussion about Guillorme. I mean, this is a team that's now on, this is not a joke. This is a team that's on their fifth string center fielder. Nimmo went down. Almora went down. Pilar went down. Someone I literally haven't heard of, and neither have you, and neither has anyone listening to this podcast, Joe Janeshwi Fargus went down. That's their fourth center fielder to the point where they needed to find some guy, Billy, whatever his last name is. Billy McKinney, former Yankee farmhand. You have two former Yanks on your team right now. Yeah, Brandon Drury, who's really, what a gift from heaven. Look, he's not playing well right now, and he has Cameron Mabin, who's hitting a... Literally zero in almost 30 at-bats. 
He's also a former Yankee. He, he yeah, had a cup of coffee. Yeah, but he's a more than he's a former Yankee. Let's yes, be real here. He had, a, he had a cup of coffee with the Yanks. He Drury, was good with the Yankees, actually. He was, yes. Yeah, he was, he so was Drury. Yes, that's right. And then he got, and then Drury got hey, the so migraine was, issues. Was Robinson Cano? Right. Well, if you look at Cano, he's rehabbing and taking the year off, and just wherever in the Dominican Republic right now, just chilling, doing T work, and, and doing some infield. He will. He, <laughs> if anybody could have saved the team, Prime Cano could have. <laughs> yeah. Well. I don't know. It's a good question about Cano. We're kind of jumping around here, but he might have played his last game in his career, to be honest. Uh, I don't sure. think. Maybe, maybe for the Mets, I don't think. For Mets his- have an owner now who it's kind of like put up or shut up. If he, if the guy, if the guy's not going to perform, the owner's just going to pay him. That's. I really think that's what's going to happen. He'd rather not have the sideshow. Right. No, I, I, I agree. And I mean, it's like. He can afford to pay him. He's got more money than God. (laughs) Switching to someone who just came off the injured list, this was a hot topic this week, and it's going to spill over into Memorial Day. It's talking Mm -hmm. about Jacob deGrom and whether or not to sit him, to not use up as many bullets in his arm as he's got. Personally, no. He is the face of the franchise, he's the reason, even though it's limited capacity, that people are showing up to the ballpark. For God's sakes, you have a promo where it's the Grom Day. There's no other team in the league that centers their their tickets around one guy more than the Mets do with the Grom. If you sit him down, there's double H and single A guys playing out there. You got your fifth string center fielder. No one has ever heard of these guys who's a diehard Met fan. And mm. if you sit the one attraction that you got, no one's showing up. And no one's going to care that you're in first place if DeGrom, if DeGrom sits. Yeah, I got to say, this is a very sensitive issue for me because I could have bought tickets to Tuesday's game for like next to nothing before they announced. And I've been dying to go. I actually haven't gone to a game since before 2020. Neither have I. Uh, I could have bought pretty cheap tickets and then they would have announced subsequently that it was going to be his return. And I would have been beside myself with excitement. Um, What bugs me really, and this is not really a, a new angle, is just sometimes I think baseball teams and other sports organizations treat their fan bases like idiots. You know, the reporters will do a good job once in a while and say like, Hey, is there going to be a pitch count on DeGrom given that he hasn't pitched in the majors in 15 days or because he's coming off two somewhat unrelated um, injuries to his, you know, his back or whatever. And the manager will look the media straight in the eyes and say, uh, no, we're, you know, we're, it's not really going to be any kind of pitch count. We need him to go out there. We're kind of banged up. The bullpen's been used a lot because we have a lot of, starters like Taiwan, who, by the way, is coming back and is to his credit, you know, who, who are down. And then the guy's thrown 50 pitches and has, you know, eight strikeouts in five innings. And then next thing you know, he's on the bench. <laughs> and I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand it on so many levels. Forget about the actual fact that it usually doesn't make sense to do that. You've got your best pitcher out there. Let him soak up some innings for you and get his money's worth. You have a guy who's making a bid at a Hall of Fame career in his 30s which is unprecedented, virtually unprecedented in Major League history. And you sit him down after 50 pitches because he hasn't pitched in 10 days or whatever. Meanwhile, the bigger issue to me is just that you just lied to everyone. 
You told us there was no pitch count. Like, you just said that. Here's the thing that I've learned, especially with analytics being so heavily entrenched into the game. And we could actually go on this and then go go to break and then we'll come back with some stuff. But whenever you're listening to a post-game or pre-game press conference, just throw it out with the bathwater. Majority of the time they're lying. Majority of the time they don't care about the questions. They... They know what the pregame script is going to be, and nine times out of ten, they're going to follow that script. You saw it with DeGrom and Philly when Luis Rojas, and I quote, we got six good ups from him. We're good. No, and ups is not a term. I, I hate to you know, throw something out there that was a month, that's a month old, but it is analytics, and the... What do you mean by ups exactly? Like half six innings? innings. You got yeah. six. He, ups means he got he he was sitting down in the dugout and he got up six times to go out and pitch, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Well, um, what does that even mean? Like I, I don't know. Six innings. I mean, he, right? It's six innings. He swung don't the try, bat. He's in the National League, so right, I guess you got bottoms too. Don't try to don't try to uh, reinvent the wheel there with language, but. The player personnel who are, are who are going to look at these guys, and they do it with the Yankees all the time, where a guy goes three for four with two doubles and, and three RBIs, and then he's... And then he sits the next day. Right, then he sits the next day. It's the same thing with pitchers. And more often than not, and I, I think personally, and this hasn't been proven... But I think the more coddling you do with a pitcher within reason, the more structural damage you're going to do to him down the line. Uh, Tommy John has never been in a higher level. Ridiculous arm injuries, never been in a higher level. I think because of the velocity, yes, if a guy's hovering around 100 pitches, let's say he has 104 through six, but it's an easy 104. He hasn't really been in much trouble. And he's cruising. Go batter batter with him through through the seventh and potentially through the eighth if he has a really quick inning. Now, if it's 111 through five and he's walked four guys and he's been struggling and it's just well, you're lucky to get through the fifth. No shit, you go to the bullpen. But with Degrom in particular, I'm not saying go out there and have him throw. 115 pitches every day that he goes out there but I mean he's good enough to throw 70 through 6 and if you're looking at you know could you push him towards 95 maybe I know he hasn't pitched in 15 days but he just made a mockery out of the double A affiliate for the Cardinals I think he's good I don't know on that note, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with uh, some trade talk. Back after this. This podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, comedy fans, music fans, things are starting to open up again. You can use my code GRINDHOUR to get in the building. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app to get $20 off your first purchase. All COVID restrictions in terms of tickets still apply look at your tickets when you get them to see what i mean by that see geek life's an event we have the tickets 
half again really for first two-thirds of this podcast we went over injury woes and whether or not to shut down Jacob deGrom for an extended period of time it's nonsense but to end up the podcast Robert I'm going to give you three names I don't it doesn't matter what it costs you could send a guy like Jared Kelnick away but if you depending on the guy would you say yes or no we'll start it out with the biggest ticket name on the market, he's having an incredible season, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, yes no. yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Man, what's so good about Chris Bryant is, and I know you don't want these complex answers, he's so versatile. He's so versatile. But the thing is, I don't know if one player is going to be a fix for this. I mean, yes, I would totally take him on the team. I don't think we even have the farm to get that guy. And he is on a contract year, if I'm not mistaken. He yeah. could fit anywhere on this roster. I mean, you could throw him in right field while... While Conforto is down, you could put him in left and let VR actually sit a day or put VR probably at short if you need to. Maybe maybe rest uh, Lindor for a day or put VR at second. He really gives you a lot of options, and he's great. He's having a great season. I just think you'd probably have to give up five of your current 25-man roster <laughs> players to pick that guy up, and none of them have any upside. So I don't really see the Cubbies doing that trade, but I would be happy to have him on the Mets. Here's an interesting one, and he's actually playing in your division, Brad Hand. Oh, man. Uh, um, so, like, relief help here? I don't yes. know. I mean, it's, that's kind help. of the Yankee solution. Is like, it doesn't matter if they need offense or if they need starters. They just go out and buy more relievers. <laughs> that's the Yankee school of thought. Believe it or not, the relief, to my surprise, knock on every plank in existence, every wood in existence, has been quite good so far. Familia has actually been pretty good. He still walks a ton of batters and puts a ton of batters on base, but he's been pretty good. Edwin Diaz actually hasn't blown a save yet. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's almost June. I don't know if that solves any issues for the Mets, though. I think their their bullpen is good enough. I wouldn't make it a priority to pick up a guy like that. All right. Uh, and the last guy, Starling Marte. Would you pick him he up? He plays center fielder, right? He, I think, can play all three outfield spots. Yeah, you know, I think they were looking at him earlier on. He's kind of a little bit older at this point. Isn't he close to 30 or 31, 32? Yeah, I believe he's entering. Let me just double-check this for you. Please, yeah. I think the benefit of having a guy like that is it, it's another major league, you know, established major leaguer you could put in the outfield, certainly to bridge you over until hopefully some of these guys come back maybe closer to July or August. Again, I don't know how big of an upgrade that is offensively, at this point in his career, um, I actually think he was signed to a pretty big contract, too. So you'd have to kind of work something out with not wanting to take too much salary on. Um, or if you're going to make a trade like that, you got to get rid of some salary in the process. Probably would be an upgrade, but it wouldn't be my top priority. Martin is 32. It is a little, That's what I thought. He, he's older. He's on the older end of the spectrum when it, when it comes to, to guys like that. But through... 15 games, he was hurt at the beginning of the year. 316, 420 on base, 912 OPS, 
two homers, eight RBIs, and three bags. Uh, yeah, well, he's he's got a hundred, you know, batting average points on our guy Lindor. So I yeah. guess it makes sense to pick him up then and slot him in at shortstop and bench Francisco. I uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could put VR at at short. I one quick, I'm gonna hang on the rim real quick about Jonathan yeah. VR. I told every Met fan that I could. I don't know if I told you this, but when they signed him, I said this is probably the, the most underrated signing in all of baseball. What he's done for you guys, especially since guys have been just falling like flies, you can't put a dollar amount on it. He's been amazing. Uh, he's earned a, a secondary contract, whether that's with the Mets or someplace else. He's one of those glue guys that won't light up the hot stove and get your fans excited. But when you actually go in and look at him and watch him play every day, I hate to be cliche, but he's a baseball player. <laughs> His defense has been so, like you said, underrated at this point. He's not tearing the cover off the ball. And I think his nickname, El Caballo Loco, is actually super fitting, the crazy horse. You just don't know what to expect from this guy when he's on the base pads. He's a little reckless at times, but I think he puts a certain pressure on opposing pitchers and a certain pressure on opposing teams' defenses when he's on the base pads. And he's stayed healthy, which is more than you could say about virtually anyone on this team otherwise. So I, I actually... Didn't know that that was going to be such a successful signing, or so it has been thus far. Some of the guys on the Mets, uh, you know, SNY booth and the rest were also saying that the difference this year with the Mets compared to previous years is their bench is so much more improved. It's got they got major league talent on the bench, and um, the irony is all the major league talent is hurt also anyway. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, the you're right though. It's he's been he's been more than you could have bargained for so far, and he's played basically every day since Davis went down. I think he's played himself into a job when J.D. Davis comes back. The third base job isn't his anymore. Yeah, um, but they have so many holes at this point. It'll be, it's fine. Yeah, like, I mean, getting J.D. Davis back is going to be a shot in the arm. That's the thing with these injuries. If the, Met, if the Mets can stay afloat, reinforcements are on the way. And Tywin Walker, you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, he's coming uh, back. He's been awesome. I've caught more of his starts this year than I thought I would. And he's, Man, been, he's been a gift. Great. He's been so good. He's been so good. You know what it is? is they got to get Peterson straightened out a little bit. He's looked pretty good in most of his innings this year, but he's got a couple innings here and there where he leaves the game with men on base. His ERA looks inflated because of that a little, in my opinion. He could straighten it out. At least you've got four major league pitchers. And you know Syndergaard's not coming back. But at least you've got four major league pitchers between Stroman, DeGrom, uh, you've got Peterson, and, and of course, Walker. And yeah, you don't and that's what you need in the playoff series. Yeah, that, that, that's a good way to, to end the podcast. Robert, pleasure's always mine. Invitation's always open as the, the Mets season progresses, as things get, uh, get better. I don't know if I'm going to lean to you if they get worse, but if they get better, <laughs> um, we will, I will have you on the podcast. And... Uh, Till next time, man, be easy and be healthy, all right? Likewise. On this side of the coin, not to take Jay Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. I know the NBA playoffs are in mid-swing, but we got some NFL coming to you on Thursday, and then we'll go back to NBA playoffs and all the craziness that happens with that next week. Um, 
blog. I got pieces that should be out by the time you're listening to this. At least one of them should be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, other than that, if you reach this point, please like, subscribe, share this podcast with me who you see fit. Download the show. It means more of the show than you know. Have a good week. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Happy belated Memorial Day to everybody. And uh, yeah, till next time. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.